Welcome to One Life Online. The podcast that brings you the weekly sermons at One Life Church, Kampala. In this episode, we listen to a sermon titled, True Worship, presented by Jeff Otiti. As you listen to this message, may the Lord speak to you through His Word, by His Spirit, and cause you to walk according to His will, by His grace. Amen. Uh, I would like us to turn to Psalm 84. Psalm 84. I'm just going to be hopefully brief. You, uh, you never know what happens. I hope I, I want to be hopefully brief and just give an exhortation, an exhortation in worship. And the topic today is really um, enjoying God's presence in worship. Because I believe God, uh, as he comes to us, he, he calls us into his presence. He calls us into his presence. That's the, the, why he calls us to worship him. He's calling us to come in his presence. And he's reaching out to us. Worship is very rich and it's big. It's a lot. There's a lot to say about worship. Uh, there's a lot of posture, what you do, and so on. But I just want to dwell on that aspect that God is calling us to reach out to us and he wants us to enjoy his presence. Psalm uh, 84 says this, how lovely, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts. My King, my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those who, whose strength is in you, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold for, from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Amen? Amen. And I think some, uh, this psalm is a beautiful one, which which just um, encourages us. There's a hunger. Why do we come to church, really? Why do we come to, the, uh, to, to, to worship on Sunday? Or on any day, maybe in your private life, you spend the time just worshiping him. The psalmist, who is David in this case, is saying, my soul longs, it faints. They look forward. He looks forward to being in the house of the Lord. Why? 
He looks forward to being in the presence of the Holy God. We believe that as you come to church day by day, we come to worship. We come to worship, and everything we do in church is really an act of worship to him. But God's desire is to bring you right into his presence, right into his presence. And we want to thank the worshipers who, 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 who lead us, who lead us into the presence of God. They lead us into the presence of God. As we worship, there's a lot that God does. There's a, God, there's a lot that God reaches to each and every one of us, to our hearts, to try and do something. And that's the essence of what I'm, pre what I'm, I'm preaching today. God is reaching out to you as you come to worship. And may the Lord anoint you, uh, uh, choir team, lead, uh, worship leaders. May you lead us into the presence of God day by day. We look forward to the worship uh, night. We're going to have a worship night soon, and God will lead us into his presence. It's interesting that uh, in, in verse 3, it says, Even a sparrow finds a home, a swallow, a nest for herself, that she may lay her young. I was in a school where we had uh, an open chapel, and uh, there were no actual windows to close off the, the, the chapel. And actually, birds came into the, into the sanctuary. And they actually had nests right in there. Okay, they did litter a bit into the pews and so on. But it was just a beautiful scenery for the six years I was there, just seeing the birds come. And that was a place where at least I found God, even as we worshiped, as we sang hymns, as we sang songs, the Lord's presence was there. But even the sparrow actually finds um, its home right there. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. And God really wants us to dwell in that place, that place where he's actually speaking to us. He's reaching out to us. Let us long for that. Amen? Let's long to be right in the presence, right in the presence of God. John chapter 4, verse 23, is, uh, I, and we... Pastor Martin went through that section, John chapter 4. It's about the Samaritan woman in Sika. But verse 23 says, God is seeking a people who will worship him in spirit and in what? And in truth. God is looking for a people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So there's worshiping him in spirit and worshiping him in truth. Now, there are parts about worship which are truth. God himself is the one who initiated worship. God, from the beginning, from the beginning, he tried to reach out to man. He tried to reach out to man to bring him into his presence. After the fall, uh, God found a people who would relate to him. Now, the world was evil, and many people turned away from him. But he found some people, and there were characteristics about these people. The people whom he found and he walked with were righteous. Amen? They found favor in God's sight. They did something that was good that he found, said, yes, this is what I want. We can remember them. We remember Enoch. We remember Noah. We remember Abraham. These people were righteous. The righteousness was not themselves that they were perfect. But God saw something in them that he said, yes, he affirmed them and said, this is what I want. This is what I want. 
And then they, were, they had faith. They believed what God said and followed his command. If you are Abraham, it would be very difficult for you if you are, you are settled in your job here and God says, hey, get up to a place I'm going to take you. Now, you and I like comfort. We like to be in our places of comfort. <laughs> but God told Abraham, man, I'm uprooting you from your place of comfort. I'm taking you somewhere. And slowly by slowly, God worked on Abraham's life. Now, there are interesting things that Abraham did. Every time God talked to him, he built an altar. Amen? In response to God who appeared to him. He built an altar as a response. Amen? And that is part of worship. We build an altar. Now, it's not here we don't have physical things to do, but out of ourselves, we build an altar in worship. Later on, when, uh, when God was giving an instruction about building an altar, he said, build it with uncut stone. Not stone which is molded. I mean, you know, shaped nicely, perfect, like we build our houses. But let it be uncut stone. And many times I meditate on this and I ask myself, what do you mean? What do you mean? It's like God is saying, come as you are. Come as you are. For each of us, God wants us to build the altar as we are, as imperfect as we are. Some, some, some stones are bent like this, others are bent like that. And somehow, you can fit them together and they make an altar. Amen? God calls us to build an altar, to have that as a purpose, as he leads us, as he guides us. You can take the notes, I will not dwell on them too much, but Genesis 12, 7, he built an altar in response to God who appeared to him at, uh, at Shechem, plain of Moreh, and then even Bethel, at Bethel, in verse 8, he built an altar again to call upon uh, the name of the Lord. So there's something about this. When you're building an altar, you stop. Amen? You stop. Have you ever seen someone building something and they are on the move, running? It doesn't work. Uh, those who play, play games, sometimes, uh, well, I, I, I play a little bit of tennis. One of the things that is very hard to do is to hit the ball while you're moving. The best effective way of doing it is to stop, okay, to make a stop and then you hit. That is important in worship. We have to come to a stop, amen? We have to come to a stop. And then we actively build. The KJV is, talks about they builded. I don't know why they use that old English, but they builded. So it is an action going on. It's not a past event, but they were building, so they builded. <laughs> Amen? And then there was a sacrifice. Amen? So what I'm trying to bring is that God who's seeking to bring us into his presence. And we have something to do. Amen? We have something to do. As part of worship, we actually um, we bring to God what he has given us. So in Genesis chapter 14 is an interesting story about Melchizedek. Melchizedek. So Melchizedek was um, an interesting person. And I think, I'm not a Bible scholar, but the little I've read about him. He was actually a king. And he was an earthly king. He was not, um, 
he, he was an earthly king, let me put it that way. And, but he was also a king and a priest. So when uh, Abraham had come from a war and he was successful, he had rescued Lot and his family and, and, and had brought a lot of spoil. He brought a lot, he captured a lot of um, things of value. Then Melchizedek and, uh, came to him and he offered worship, you know, to God, to the one and true God. This is in Genesis chapter 14, verse 17. He spoke things, and I think maybe we can turn there very briefly. Genesis chapter 14, verse 17. Because this is a part of worship. So verse 17, Abraham blessed by Melchizedek. After he returned from the defeat of uh, that long name, Chedoloma, and the kings that were with him, the king of Sodom went to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by God most high, possessor of earth and heaven. Blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And Abraham gave a tenth of everything. Gave him a tenth of everything. So, this earthly king was also a priest, and he actually exalted the God, the God of heaven, the God most high, that one and true God. We don't know who, how his relationship was with God, but he actually exalted him. And he pointed him that he's the one who delivered and helped deliver Abraham and gave him the victory. So in our walks of life, that's one thing that we do in worship. We are blessed in many ways. We are blessed in many ways. God gives us success. I don't know in what. If you have graduated in your you know, education, if you have, you, have, you have done you know, exploits and you're big in business and so on, God has blessed you. But there's a point in worship that you come and point that it is God who has done that. And Melchizedek helped Abraham. Abraham knew God. But he reinforced that, that we, it is God himself who has delivered you. He's the possessor of heaven and earth. There's a declaration in worship, who God is and what he does. Amen? And part of worship was Abraham gave a tenth of what he owed. A tenth was something that belonged to kings. To kings. Um, if you read further on, uh, when, when, when Israel was demanding for a king, um, God, uh, I think it was Samuel who told the, the Israelites that, you know, when you get a king, you're going to give him a tenth of everything that you have, the tenth of your flock, a tenth of everything. So that was the percentage that was always given to the king. And that is what Abraham did. He gave his, he gave his tithe. Tithing is part of worship. Amen? Giving is part of worship. And we can always do that. Amen? Amen. Um, so God, even right still in the beginning, when, when um, the Israelites was, were taken to, to Egypt, God met uh, Moses and told him, look, I want to bring my people out of there. 
And the first thing that he wanted is that you'd come to this mountain and sacrifice. And there is instructions in Exodus 3.18 says, tell the Pharaoh that you have to go on a three-day journey so that you may meet with the Lord and sacrifice to him. That was God saying, this is what I want. This is what I want. They had spent so many years in captivity and they had not come to this place. We read in this psalm that, oh, I mean, I think it's one, another psalm which says, oh, I long for Jerusalem. I long to, you know, for your courts. I long to come there. And that should have been a longing in the Israelites, but they were in captivity. But God said, I'm going to help you come there and I'm going to help you to worship me. Amen? Amen. Worshipping in spirit. What is worshipping in spirit? I'll just briefly touch on, on this. There's a contrast to tradition in worship. So the Israelites had been given a set of laws. This is how you do it. This is how you bring sacrifices. This is how you, you know, you, as part of worship, it is actually obeying the Sabbath. This is what you should do. So they got bent up on way, the methodology. All right? So the argument in, in uh, John 4 was an argument between the Samaritans and the, the, the rest of Israel. So they believed that the place that they should worship come, you know, uh, three times in a year to just come to Jerusalem so that they can sacrifice, you know, sacrifice and do all the things that are expected. For the Israelites, it was Jerusalem. But for the Samaritans, they said, no, it is this other place. I think it's the Mount, Mount Gerizim. And so that was the basis of the argument between um, the, the discourse, not an argument, between uh, Jesus and the, the Samaritan woman. So Jesus told them that, look, the time is coming. And it's actually now. Can we turn there, John 4? The time is coming. And, and actually now. Just stand there. Verse 21, he said, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. All right? And, and what does this mean to us? The most important thing was not actually the tradition. All right? You will worship, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So the Father is actually seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. So in spirit means it's not about the traditions. It's not about do this, do this, do this. No. We will miss the point in getting into, pres in the, into the presence of God. Amen? Even the argument on the, on the Sabbath, the, they, there were so many laws. So uh, the, the Israelites said, no, you cannot heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus told them, you know what? I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Amen? It's about me. And we sang that in this today. 
it's just about him. It is just about him, all right? The, 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 the traditions can spill over. It spilled over into the first, into the, the, the early church. And there were all sorts of things about what we should do and how we should do it and so on. And Paul many times tried to encourage this, the people that, look, it's not the tradition, keeping this, keeping this law and so on. It's about we and God. We are actually, you know, freed up in, in the Lord. I'll speak about that a little later. But what is being led by the Spirit? And we touched on this uh, as Pastor Martin uh, preached a little while ago. In John chapter 3, verse 6 to 8, and you could also turn there. John chapter 3, verse 6 to 8. I think I am still on time. From verse 5, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And verse 6 is what I want to dwell on. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That is which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel, verse 7, when I said you must be born again. And verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sounds. You do not know where it, is, it comes from or where it goes. So is it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. There's something that happens to us when we are born again, and God places His Spirit in us. Amen? We are born again. We are born in Spirit. Our spirits are made alive. The picture of the, uh, uh, the, 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 picture of the, the Spirit of God is actually breath. The wind is the breath of God. And when he breathes, he blows where he wishes. Amen? He blows where he wishes. We cannot, um, we cannot decide. I cannot decide for you what God is going to speak to you. And you cannot decide for me what God, God is going to speak to, to me. But the Spirit of God leads us where he wants us. He leads us and guides us there. Amen? He leads us and guides us there. What happens to each of us is we hear his voice. As the Spirit blows, we hear his voice. And that's what it clearly says. You hear the sound. You hear the voice, as some versions put it. And it's clear to you. And I would like to encourage us, as we want to enjoy the presence of God, let us be open in our spirits to just enjoy that, to listen one of the characteristics as you come in the presence of God, God speaks to us. He speaks to us through his spirit. He deposits something in a unique way. We cannot tell you this is how it's going to be. Sometimes it's a quiet voice. Sometimes it's a word. Sometimes it's the reinforcement of what is being sung, sung right up there. Sometimes God says that this is what I'm saying to you. Let us be sensitive. Let us be open. Let us hear what the Spirit of God is saying because that is worshiping Him in spirit. It is spirit-led. Amen? The Spirit blows where He wills. Okay? And that is the characteristic. 
I won't dwell in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 10, and you can just write it down. 1 Corinthians uh, 2, verse 9 to 10. It talks a little bit more about the Spirit, and I do not want to dwell too much. But the Bible says that these things the Spirit has revealed to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches the deep things, the depths of God. Amen? That is what the Spirit of God does. He searches. He's there. He knows what is yours, and He searches the depths of heart of God, what he wants for you, what he's speaking to you, and he brings it to your spirit. And the, as, you, as you read on, it says the spirit exalts Christ. That is the characteristic. He doesn't exalt himself, he exalts Christ. Now, worshiping in spirit is, uh, is a little bit tricky. I mean, we've been in different churches and so on. So one of the things that might happen is some things span out of control. Am I right? Do you, do you, do you, you, you know that? And sometimes people are very, a bit uncomfortable about it. So First um, Corinthians 14, Paul addresses this, and he talks about orderly worship, orderly worship. And we will just stand there briefly. I'm not going to spend too much. But I, it's too much time on that, but uh, um, I think it's still important. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. And to many of us, I think we've been so uncomfortable and we're so worried. Why do, should these things span out of control and where is the limits and so on? Uh, one day, I believe we shall go through First Corinthians and there's, there's going to be a lot, a lot to learn uh, from First Corinthians. Now, as a background to this, the Corinthian church was a very blessed church. It was actually mixed, mixed, blessed, blessed, but it also had many horrific things happening. And Paul had to address these things. He actually was speaking to put right so many things. But they were uniquely blessed because they had so many gifts, so many gifts. The gifts of the Spirit were manifested in them. And I believe it was beautiful. And um, many times, depending on the consistency of the church, it's easy to, to be swayed in one way or the other if there is no right balance. So these were very gifted people. And then I think the order of worship became a little bit uncomfortable. So people would speak in tongues forever, you know. Or they would prophecy, prophecy would go on without any control and go on and go on. So Paul, in this point, when he opened in uh, chapter 14, he says clearly in verse 1, pursue love. Pursue love. But he did not condemn the gifts of the Spirit. He said, honestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that, you may, uh, the, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For one understands him, but for no one understands him, but he ut utters mysteries in the Spirit. Now, Paul's mind was that when you come into corporate worship, the main thing is to speak to God, 
but also to edify others. Amen? When the, spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are manifested, they are supposed to edify others. They are not supposed to span out, out of control. Love should be the main thing, and then the desire to, um, to, to help others. Then in verse 26, he gives a bit of uh, an idea of the order. And order is, is very helpful. It's very helpful. And that's why this church promotes some kind of order, which I believe is, is good. It's not fixed, but it is, it is still very important to help us. What then, brothers, verse 26, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Let all things be done for the building up. And that is maybe the, what we underline. Whatever we do here, it is to build each, one us, each of us up. We should be built up. Amen? And I pray and my hope is that we are all built up as we come to worship. Let us all be, be all things are done, whatever it is done for building up. And not anything being done which doesn't build us up. Amen? So that's the heart of the leadership here, that we may be built up as we worship the Lord. As I come to the, probably the thrust, but maybe the, the, the last part of this message, is what should be our attitude in worship. So that we may enjoy the presence of the Lord. What should be our, our attitude in worship? We can turn to Psalm 20, 24. Psalm 24. And verse 3. It says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God, the God of Jacob. We have already seen that God seeks people who worship him in spirit and truth. And there's a generation of those who seek and seek the face of God, the God of Jacob. And when you come in the presence of the Lord, you receive a blessing. Amen. There's something that God does which is a blessing to you. That is, should be your motivation to say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Because God is coming to minister to you. And he imparts his righteousness on you. In verse 5, he will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. The question is, who shall ascend? Who shall ascend? And there are four things that he brings up. He brings up our hands. He brings up our heart. He brings up our soul, and he brings up our speech. He starts by bringing up the things that stand in the way. 
All right? Those who have unclean hearts, uh, he wants those who have clean hands. Hands deal with action, what we do. I want to just emphasize that our righteousness is not from God. It's God who just says we are righteous. It's not us. But it means also that when we come before the Lord, we reflect on ourselves what we do, what we have been doing with our hands, the action, the things that we do. We need to reflect on that. I prefer when we come in the presence of the Lord, you know, you, you, you shut up everyone around you. Uh, unfortunately, if you are with your family, sometimes you have little ones, you can't shut them out. But your focus is on God. You come with your spouse, maybe you have to shut them out, but your focus is on God. And you come you as yourself. You don't come necessarily with your family. It's the presence of God, you are on your own. You reflect on what you've done, and you ask God to forgive you of everything that you've done. The counteraction is, is use your hands to, to worship him. Um, Paul instructs men to lift up holy hands to the Lord. There are many things that we do, and these are actionable in worship. Some people bow their heads. They bow before him, and that is action. Some people kneel before him. And there will be times, and I, I know, there are times as you enjoy the presence of God. You may fall on your knees. That's okay. The, the idea is not drama. The idea is you and what you yield yourself to, to the God who is most high. Amen? He deals with your heart. And he says, the one with a pure heart. God does not let us, let us go, you know, um, free. You come to a living God who will dissect you and know what your heart is. As you sing, as you come into the presence of God, he's telling you, man, this is not right. This heart is not right. This thing that you're doing is not right. Amen? And it's important for us to, to shut out, to, 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 to really come humbly, humbly. I want to say humbly, humbly before the Lord and let him search our hearts. Remember, he's seeking a worshiper, and he's seeking your heart to be pure before him. And he'll tackle that. He may not tackle everything now, but he will tackle that as you come before him, even personally. He'll deal with things that may not be all right. It may be an attitude. It may, not, it may be unforgiveness. Some people are pained and they carry unforgiveness in their hearts and that stops the Lord from actually reaching to you and he will not uh, get tired he will still deal with that unforgiveness or bitterness but that is a blessing, amen? It's a blessing to come before the presence of the Lord and he deals with us as we are because he wants pure hearts the heart deals with devotion and our emotions. He wants to purify our devotion and our emotions. He talks about the soul, and the soul is the mind. He who does not lift up his soul to what is false. 
And as we walk in the in our uh, as we walk through life, we deal with the world. The world throws so many things to our minds. And it fills us. Now, I, I'm sure you'll be saying that uh, this gentleman is always talking about phones, he's talking about, <laughs> uh, you know, but the truth is that the battle, my, the battle is always, that, uh, that we have is a battle for our mind. So these things are thrown at us day by day. And we can choose to lift our mind to these things, but in the presence of God, that is not what he wants. He actually wants to fill our mind when you come into the presence of God. Remember, we're talking about enjoying the presence of God in worship. We don't come and just empty our mind, you know, keep it empty. We just keep our mind on, on the Lord. We, we remember the scriptures of what God is, who he, he says he is. We speak those words back to him. We fill his, our mind with the word. We, and we dethrone the things that our soul might have lifted up, which are false. Amen? You want to receive from the Lord? Dethrone those things that are false. They are lies from the enemy. And let us lift up the word of God in our hearts. The fourth thing is our speech. As we speak, we may have been saying many things which may not be right. Some may be deceitful. In those days, they used to swear a lot, you know, and so on. As we come before the presence of God in worship, we reflect on what we speak and ask the Lord to forgive us for the things that we have said which may not be right. And in replacement, we speak his word, what concerns him. I want to say that this portion of scripture is, is really beautiful. The Lord will come in. In verse 7 says, lift up your heads, O gate, or be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty in battle. He will come in. He will minister to us. My final point is, as the Lord draws us into his presence, there are many things that he does. We'll go to Exodus 24. And just gives you a little bit of a picture of um, the Israelites coming into the presence of God. The Israelites at that point had uh, messed up, as usual, like we all do. Amen. Not that we should do, but we all do. They had messed up, and God kind of restored them. Then he told them, I mean, they had broken the commands. Moses threw them down in anger, and um, there was a lot of judgment that came forth. Then God brings them back and says, you know what, I want to confirm my covenant with you. 
And that's partly what he does when, you, when we come in before, before him in worship. He confirms his covenant with us. And then uh, chapter 24, verse, uh, verse 1, he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel. Worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others will not come near. And the people shall not come up with him. Then Moses told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose up, he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. And twelve pillars according, uh, according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent the young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrifices, peace offerings of oxen. And Moses took them, took half of the blood, put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant, read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. We will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people. Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with these words. Then Moses, verse 9, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and they saw the God of Israel. There under his feet, it, was, it were a pavement of sapphire, like the very heaven for clearness. He did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God, ate and drank. It's interesting that the Lord drew um, people to see him. They came into, right into his presence. It is difficult to describe the presence of God, but here it was like, you know, the sky, the blue sapphire stone. It was clear. It was clear. The presence of God was so clear. It's interesting to also note that they ate and drank. What did they eat? What did they drink? This is part of the fellowship that God gives us and offers us. He brings us to his presence to enjoy. Now that must have been a special meal, which we don't know. But they ate and they drank in the presence of the Lord. I want to just beg and explain something in the Psalm 23, which talks about he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He anoints your, your head with oil and your cup turns over. The Lord is my shepherd. That's the Psalm 23. In the walks of life that we live, we go through struggles, and they are actually enemies. But when you come in before the presence of, of the Lord, he actually offers that table before you. 
he takes you as his guest. So the, in, the Israelites, were, when they received a visitor, they anointed them, they washed their feet, and they anointed them with oil. And that's what the Lord does to each of us. That's what he desires to do. He wants to anoint your head with oil. And he wants you to drink. And he wants that cup to run over. He prepares that table. What are the enemies? They are the things we fight against. So sometimes we are in so much war with the enemy. Uh, so much war. They are, you know, it's the, the, the devil is fighting you, the demons and so on. But that's something that they will never enjoy. That time with God. It is you that God says, I come to, to, to fellowship with you. I prepare a table. Whatever he wants for you, whatever he wants to do, he prepares that table. He anoints you, and he will, you will eat with him. You will drink with him. The cup will, draw, will run over. Even in the midst of your problems, that is what he's doing. Amen? Amen? Psalm 103, verse 8. And I'll just stand there as well. Uh, and this is the last verse I'll talk. 103, verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow in anger and abounding in... Sorry, it's verse 4. He redeems your life from the pit and he crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. In the presence of God, one of the things that he desires to do is to crown you with steadfast love and mercy. That's what he does. And just know that he will crown you. Just like he anoints you and says, you're my guest, he crowns you as well in the presence of the Lord. And, and uh, verse 5 says, he satisfies you with good. Some version says, he satisfies your mouth with good. And what is the reason that he does that? He gives you something in his presence so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And that's what he wants to do. He knows that you're going through a lot, but he wants to renew your strength. He wants to renew your youth, amen, like an eagle. We thank the Lord that he is, is you know, he's gracious and merciful. Verse 13 and 14 says he's compassionate. He's compassionate to his children. He shows compassionate to us. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. So he knows all about us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows that we need him. So he reaches out to us. May we draw into his presence day by day. Amen? In your individual lives as we worship him. Because he's reaching out to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you indeed are our God. 
Thank you that you're the God who reaches out to us and draws us into your presence. We don't worship amiss. We don't worship as, as routine, as tradition. We cease to do that, Lord. We choose to come and have this relationship with you. We choose to respond to you who calls us into your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you take us as, our, as an invited guest, each one, of, and each one of us, Lord. Thank you that you're the one who anoints us. You anoint our head with oil. You crown us with your loving kindness, with mercies. You let our cups overflow, even amidst our enemies, even amidst our, our difficulties. You lead us beside the quiet waters. Thank you that you do that. I pray, Lord, that for each and every one of us, Lord, as we spend time in your presence, I pray that you will draw us to that place. Cleanse us from all that is wrong. Purify our hearts, Lord. It's your desire. You will do that. You will discipline us where we need to be disciplined. But purify our hearts. May we be like gold. Teach us to enjoy your presence. Teach us to enjoy and, and, and just spend time with you in our private lives, our individual lives, Lord, even in this corporate worship that we come here. Help us to enjoy your presence. We pray, Lord, that we may worship you in spirit and truth. Spirit of God, we ask that you may lead us. Lead us as a church. May you show us where to go. May you blow, but may we listen. May, you, may we listen to you. We glorify your name this day, and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to God's Word today. Feel free to contact the pastor on phone at 0705-581-369 or send an email to pastor at onelifechurch.ug or follow us on Facebook at One Life Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel at One Life Church Kampala, Uganda. One Life Church is a multicultural community of believers equipped to serve Christ's mission.